1: Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome to Crunch Time. Tried to fend off, a pointer says, oh, ball it up. But the siren brings all of that to an end. And despite a mad surge by the Cats at the end, this undermanned Fremantle team has won a game that stands them in mighty stead for season 2022. His kick was scuffed central, but still worked for French, who loops the handball to Bedford, who can run in and can score his seconds. Robbie Gray up against the boundary, has a ping at goal. to points point oh handy point 30 seconds left Port Adelaide fans everywhere up they're gonna win two in a row in a tight contest a one point win for Port Adelaide
0: Robbie Gray, the hero. It's two wins in a row for the power. Can they build momentum? And the Dockers' stocks keep rising with their biggest scalp, yet there is no doubting Frio are the real deal. But where does this leave the Cats? Chris Scott has plenty to think about, as do his counterparts at Adelaide and North Melbourne in Matthew Nix and David Noble.
2: And to have a performance like that's really disappointing for us. Um, not taking anything away from our opposition. They are outstanding. We allowed them, unfortunately, early to beat us up in the contest, um, and the game, the game went just went away from us from that point on. But yeah, we've got a little bit to learn. We've got to deal with some expectation, which we weren't able to do today. Yeah, well, we came here to win. There's no doubt. We we wanted to win the game. Um, you know, it's three quarters again. You know, so I think that's been probably for us been a step forward from the previous couple of weeks. Um, you know, one of the challenges for us was to really get into the game when the heat's in the kitchen. You know, I think 20 minutes into the second quarter, or even we go in, going a bit off. Um, yeah, felt the players were ready to come back out. And look, there's an opposition that wants to step up the tempo, um, put some bigger bodies, and they got hold of the ball. And yeah, then we we were into that cycle of, of chasing the game again.
0: North Melbourne certainly brought the heat in that first half. They stuck with the Blues but were blown out of the water in the third term. And Adelaide, well, they crumbled under the pressure of being the favourites against the Giants. We'll unpack all of that and more right here on Sunday Crunch Time. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. My name is Nat Edwards. I'm coming to you from the glorious MCG. The sun is out. There is blue sky and the turf looks in fabulous condition. Josh Jenkins is with me. He's down in G-Town. Liam Pickering to join us after midday on Sunday Crunch Time. JJ, welcome to you.
3: Good morning, Nat. Good morning to uh, everyone tuning in and Looking to debrief a big weekend of footy and and uh, and eventually preview some some of today's games as well. So plenty happening as always, and uh, thus far it's been a, a relatively entertaining, if not um, uh, hard to predict, round of footy.
0: Very hard to predict, indeed. And as you say, we have some cracking games coming your way on Sunday. First up is Collingwood and Gold Coast here at the MCG. A one ten. Melbourne time start. That will be followed by the Western Bulldogs taking on Essendon. Plenty of intrigue around that game at Marvel Stadium and then an absolute rip snorter this afternoon at the SCG. The Sydney Swans and the Brisbane Lions. That is going to be an absolutely cracking game of football as... uh, the Lions look to break, I think, a 13-year hoodoo at the SCG. So it's plenty to look forward to, but we should get into what's happened so far in Round 7. And I guess one of the big talking points, and we'll delve into this um, a lot deeper with Liam Pickering after midday, but Fremantle, they are the real deal. We spoke about it, JJ, last week, and we wanted just a little something more. Well, we got that yesterday when they beat the Cats at gmh yes, Stadium.
3: It was a signature win for the Dockers, Uh, got a very close look at how good they are and how uh, well set up they are behind the ball, how talented they are around the footy, and we must not forget that they were missing uh, Matt Tabiner, their number one key forward, they were missing Nathan Fife, the dual Brownlow medalist, and they were missing one of the most uh, underrated uh, emerging ruckmen in the game Mm. in Sean Darcy, so... Add those three players back into the mix who would be three of their best five players, then uh, well, we? Frio, the Purple Haze, the fans of the Purple Mob have got plenty to be excited about.
0: <laughs> they do indeed. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about who is the, the second-ranked team in the competition behind Melbourne, who are a clear standout, um, obviously undefeated at the moment. We sort of thought Brisbane was probably the one. Has it changed your thinking at all, what happened yesterday with Fremantle?
3: Uh, well, what it does, I don't. It hasn't made me think any less of of Brisbane by any stretch. And, and that contest against the Swannies uh, in Sydney will be uh, will be enthralling and will give us a lot to uh, to take out of it from a a uh, contenders' point of view. What it does do yesterday's game here in Geelong is is certainly tell us that there's another team looking to to put their hand up and say we're here to be counted. Now, I think a lot of us, and and this is probably uh, us being guilty of not seeing enough of Fremantle just purely because of where and when they play, but um, we weren't sure. I certainly wasn't sure about how good they were, and I got a first-hand look at it from the boundary line yesterday. And some of their uh, some of their more, I guess, understated names came to the fore yesterday. We know how good Brayshaw is. I spoke about the three who are out. They've got a very, very understated but very, very effective uh, back six and their team defence. Roll through some of the scores they've conceded in a moment, but they are a very, very good defensive unit.
0: Yeah, they certainly are. Well, we'll delve deeper into that game after midday when Pickers joins us on Sunday. Crunch time. The other game I had a keen eye on yesterday was the Hawks game up against Melbourne. Melbourne defeating the Hawks by 10 points. They were missing five players and of course their premiership coach in Simon Goodwin due to health and safety protocols. A total of seven premiership players missing from that Demons outfit and they were made to work for it and I thought the Hawks were pretty courageous in the way that they kept going and kept fighting back, given that they conceded nine goals the week before in the final term against the Sydney Swans. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of positives that Hawks fans can take from yesterday, but no doubting Melbourne still undefeated and on top of the ladder where they should be.
3: Yeah, the Ds just tick another one off and uh, one that perhaps with, um, with a more seasoned opponent that they would have been troubled even more. I think the score... I didn't see all of this game. I was um, uh, going from travelling from GMHBA to to Marvel to cover the Ruse and the Blues. But I would think, Nat, the scoreboard flatter Hawthorne in the end. Is that fair?
0: yeah I think I think it did. Um, look, they were certainly competitive and, and for a long period of time, I mean they started the game so hot did Hawthorne um, out of the blocks. It was the first time that Jake Bowie went into a quarter time huddle trailing in his career. Wow. Can you believe it which is ridiculous to say um, but you know certainly Hawthorne. They were very inaccurate uh, in front of goal. Luke Bruce had a, an off day, so inaccuracy. And, and they really should be ruining their missed opportunities, especially at the end of that third quarter. The Hawks certainly were peppering um, and just unable to put that scoreboard pressure on the, D, uh, on the Ds in the end. So, And look, I think, you know, we just know that Melbourne's just so classy and a more polished outfit at this point, And Hawthorne just made some bad skill errors when the game was on the line.
3: And the class came to the fore. Um, Clary Oliver, 33 disposals. He was everywhere. Petrarca had his usual 31 and a goal. Max Gorn, did he stand up in the uh, absence of his wingman, Luke Jackson? Yeah. 29 disposals for a ruckman, if you don't mind. Was dominant in the air with 35 hitouts. Um, Max Lynch could only manage 19. So he dominated in that facet, kicked a couple, had 11 score involvements and nine <laughs> clearances. If that's not a BOG performance, then I don't know what he's...
0: Yeah, and I thought actually Max Lynch did a reasonable job um, given he was going up against someone like Max Scorn. I really liked the job of Finn McGuinness on Ed Langdon. Ed Langdon, obviously one of the the best wingers going around in the competition. Um, And yeah, Finn McGuinness was given the job, held him to nine touches for the game. So he did an excellent job tagging Ed Langdon and keeping him very quiet for the day. Adelaide... Went into the game against the Giants as favourites. I even tipped them. It was one where you just, it was a toss of the coin, really. You thought maybe the Giants are due. Could Toby a second week in? Could he really start to find his straps? Well, he did. He kicked four uh, first-half goals and really inspired this Giants win. The leaders stood up in Stephen Cornelio. Lockie Whitfield was great. He impacted on the scoreboard as well. Um, Josh Kelly, too, was phenomenal yesterday. So the Giants just upsetting, I guess, the the more favoured Crows and, and the Crows probably not dealing with the pressure of, of the favouritism in, in this game.
3: Yeah, interesting. I heard um, Matthew Nix's post-game comments and he mentioned a few times about perhaps the inability for his young team to to handle the noise. And Adelaide can get a little rowdy and... They can get a little happy with their team, um, just as they can equally get upset with their team. It's um, it's never mellow. It's never level over there. It's either too high or too low. And um, and there would have been a lot of excitement around Adelaide after their two huge wins over Richmond and then on the road against the Dogs. But the, 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 the Giants just came over and completely blew them away. Um, five goals to one at quarter time, as you said. 11-8 to 2-3 at the half. That was mm. no one could have predicted that that was just incredible and 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 Josh Kelly uh, you did mention him but again talk about filling up the stat sheet 41 disposals is is uh, is incredible no matter how you look at it but he he was effective with his touches now David King yeah. went after a few of the marquee midfielders on Friday morning on Fireball Friday and um mm. he said Josh Kelly was one of the top 3 midfielders who is a marquee player but doesn't do enough damage. I found that one the most surprising. 11 score involvements, 8 clearances, 7 inside 50s, 4 rebound 50s and uh, half a dozen tackles. That was a brilliant performance from Josh Kelly who I think is a, uh, he gets a lot of criticism uh, for for the things that he can't do or doesn't do but he is often overlooked for the things that he does do very well.
0: And just quickly touching on the other results from last night, it was an ugly affair up in Cairns. Really tough conditions for both sides, but it was uh, Port Adelaide who got the one-point win over the Saints. Robbie Gray, the hero, with 31 seconds left on the clock, kicked a behind to clinch that game. Two wins in a row now for Port Adelaide And the game that you were at last night. North Melbourne, I mean, they came out really fiery, um, and they brought the heat, certainly, in that first half. They matched it with Carlton, but the Blues, despite having a pretty poor third-term record so far this year. They managed to outscore the Ruse heavily and, and clinch that victory last night.
3: Yeah, it was a um, it was a really good game. It was a spirited game of footy throughout, but it was a really a competitive game in the first half. Uh, the Blues, you, you, I think, you could always feel from the venue that the Blues had more potency and they were a more dangerous and a more um, aggressive team and a more attacking team and we're always going to be able to put more points on the board. But uh, that third quarter was very, very disappointing from a North Melbourne perspective. And I I would like to challenge uh, Mr. Noble on his comments about them playing three good quarters of footy because um, first two quarters, excellent. The fourth quarter though, so they'd just been blown out of the water. A 40 point uh, third quarter deficit. They only managed to keep one goal in the fourth quarter. So I don't know how they could possibly look at the fourth quarter and think that was um, a good performance or a tick um, either. So from my point of view, the Roos, a good half, but completely fell off the cliff thereafter.
0: Yeah, they certainly did. All right, we're going to delve deeper into all of these results later on in the show. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side of this, Collingwood assistant coach, Hayden Skipworth, is going to join us. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time.
1: the award-winning crunch time.
0: We'll be taking calls all weekend on the Kogan Open Line. Make the call. Switch to Kogan Mobile from 290 for 30 days with a big 20 gig of data. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Nat Edwards and Josh Jenkins with you on this beautiful Sunday morning in Melbourne. We are at the MCG ahead of the clash between Collingwood and the Gold Coast Suns. A 110 start Melbourne time and Collingwood assistant coach Hayden Skipworth has been good enough to join us. Good morning to you Hayden. Good
2: morning guys, how are you going?
0: Going well. I think the question on everyone's lips is uh, how is Jordan Degoei and Will Hoskin-Elliott going? Are they okay after battling gastro throughout the week?
2: Yeah they are, they're good to go. Um, yeah we've had a bit of a douse of sickness throughout the club this week so coaches included. Um, yeah so hopefully they can run out of the game fine, but, yeah, we're, we're glad to have them out there today, that's for sure.
0: Did you manage to avoid it?
2: No, I was one that got oh, struck no. down this week as well. So, <laughs> Poor thing. Yeah, I was checking in each day and getting an update of the, of the players and stuff, but, yeah, they've put their hand up and they're good to go today.
0: No fun at all, but what was fun was seeing the players get back on the winners list last week on Monday, Anzac Day, the biggest stage. How important was that after a couple of losses in a row to get that win? What's it done for the group this week?
2: Yeah, just builds belief in the game plan and stuff. We started the year really well with with two really good wins, and then we had some really close losses. Um, we lost one to Geelong, um, Josh's old team, obviously. And the last quarter, we sort of um, fell away, and they they really got on top. And then Brisbane, they probably just better, uh, beat us um, throughout the game. They were sort of you know goal up each day, and we couldn't we couldn't catch them. But yeah, it was good to just build the belief back in the group, get back in that that winning feeling in the change rooms um, going into Gold Coast this week.
3: Skippy, good luck this afternoon, mate. Um, how, how have you seen your form six, uh, six weeks in? You're three and three, as we've mentioned. You sort of outlined um, you've been in some games. You've had some really good performances. As a, as a whole, um, if you were to sort of measure your form lines, how do you feel like you're going as opposed to where you think you may be?
2: I think we're going really well, mate. Um, we've been in every game, which is, which is a positive. Um, we've had a lot of changes, especially in our, in our front half, um, and obviously missing Elliot, who's probably a be the most important piece in front of the ball um, obviously hurt us the last few weeks as well but um, yeah, we've we we found some players like Ginevam, these guys have stood up over the first six weeks um, and our form line has been really competitive so yeah, we're, we're really happy where we're going we've, we've changed everything as far as our offence and our defence and our stoppage structures so we knew there's going to be some um, labour pains early but we're sort of settling in now and hopefully we can get some wins um, you know, through the middle part of the year.
3: And you mentioned the changes and the, and the um I guess some of the personnel issues ahead of the ball. Um you you rank last for marks from your own kicks inside fifty. So I guess the, the 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 element of that connection and the synergy between those who are kicking the footy in and that's not always forwards kicking it in, it's often mids and defenders kicking the ball inside, but getting that building that synergy between kicker and receiver is still something you you want to work upon.
2: That's probably our growth area, Josh. Um obviously from Last year like our scoring's gone through the roof, our inside fifties are gone through the roof, we're playing a territory game, so all in our front half. So Probably the last piece of our puzzle really to work on is that Inside 50 connection. And, and like I said, with we've, um, we've had like Reef McGuinness and Jack Ginovam and uh, we've got Aidan Begg today, um, Trent Bianco. We've had a lot of kids go through there. So just building that connection with our mids and, and our high backs is going to be important moving forward.
0: You mentioned Aiden Begg there. He comes in for Brodie Grandy, picked up in the mid-season rookie draft last year. Just tell us a little bit about him. I know he's worked really closely with Josh Fraser, obviously, on his ruck craft.
2: Yeah, so he's um, he's similar. Style to Brody Grundy. He's, he's more of a follow-up ruckman. Yeah. Um, he'll compete in the air, but then he gets after on the ground. Um, his, his journey from the club, from when he got here, um, halfway through the last year, has been really impressive. He come off first shoulder and he's, um, you know, probably really deconditioned at the time. And to be able to work his way. To a position where he um, gets his first game and opportunity today is a credit to himself. So um, he'll probably probably play like limited game time, sort of fifty sixty percent, ruck and, and maybe a little bit forward. Um, see what he can do in front of the ball as well.
3: So it puts a big um, it puts a big spotlight on Darcy Cameron, doesn't it, um, Skippy? Because um, Jared Witz is a really, really good ruckman. I don't think um, a- enough people outside of the, I guess, the club land understand how good a ruckman he is. A former Collingwood player at one stage, but he's developed into a really good ruckman. So it's going to ask a lot of Darcy Cameron to step up in the absence of of Big uh, BG and, and get the job done for you.
2: Certainly, it is um, come across from Sydney. Probably came across as a, as a backup ruck. Um, and obviously Brody, he's up until today, he really never misses. So well, that's why we developed him as that f- sort of forward ruck Josh, um, not unlike himself. So, yeah, he gets his opportunity to be the number one ruck for, you know, obviously probably 10, 12 weeks until Brody returns. So um, he's chomping at the bit to, to get out there and compete against Wixie, and he's obviously got Peggy to come in fresh off the bench and, and help him out.
0: Jack Genovan, five goals last week in just his 10th AFL game. He oozes confidence on the field. I absolutely love watching him go about his business. Some others have been critical. How do you as a coaching group help him balance, I guess, him being his true authentic self, but also not getting too ahead of himself at the same time?
2: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, to, to coach the guys that have got um, self-confidence, it's, it's much easier. It's much easier to bring him back than to the guys that really yep. have the self-doubt. So. We're trying to, um, you know, let all our players be um, express themselves and be individuals and not, don't want to take that away. But, you know, they've also got to fall into, into line with the, the team structures and the team principles and what we're about holistically. So, yeah, he, he's we, we love him, what he's done. He's had a great pre-season. Um, he's set himself up for a really good year and um, he's getting um, some reward off, off the back of working really hard. And just quickly, Skippy, the Suns,
3: they knocked you off uh, at the G last year, so they'll 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 come to the uh, mecca full of confidence. But they've been pretty consistent and and uh, and been in plenty of games like yourselves uh, this year. So you'll be certainly well aware of the threats that they pose.
2: Yeah, as you know, they've got some really high end talent. Um, you look at their midfield; it's just um, stuck with like um, you know almost pick ones and pick twos and stuff like that. So. Yeah, it's going to be a really good midfield battle. Um, they're, they're similar style to us. They're very much a territory team. They get it in and lock it in. So um, be, who can win those centre bounces? Who can win those mid-arc stoppages and, and um, play that game in that front half? So our mids are going to have a big job, um, as well as, you know, obviously, like you touched on before, rocks getting getting in first use.
0: Hayden, we appreciate your time this morning. Best of luck for the game ahead. Uh, thanks for joining us on Crunch Time. No
2: worries. Thanks for having us on, guys.
0: Aidan Skipworth there, Collingwood assistant coach. And I think I can see Jack Ginovan down there just yeah. practising a little well, bit of goal kicking.
3: So just just quickly on, on, on Jackie G. Now, <laughs> if we – this is the thing. Now, you know, we quickly, or some people, not, not many, I think only one or two have sort of said, you know, wanting to tame his, his um, behaviour and the way he goes about it. But if you try and temper those types – they don't play the footy that you need them to play. They, they, they need to be on the edge. They need to play with spirit and energy and swagger. Otherwise, you're asking them to suppress a part of their personality and, and, and one of the things that, that they probably feed off. I, I presume Jack feeds off energy and feeds off feeling good about himself and, and, and getting around his teammates and having them get around him. So asking him or asking any player to suppress... Um, you know their personality. It's foolish, and it would be bad coaching, as far as I'm concerned, to ask someone to just to temper themselves. Now, there's a fine line, Nat. Like you don't need guys being disrespectful to yeah. the opposition, or to the crowd, or to the umpires. But um, I've seen nothing from him really that would suggest that he is um, disrespectful. And I know there was some commentary around him going after Joel Salwood but. If he doesn't do those types of things, he may not be an AFL player. He may, not, he may not have a role. He may need to do those types of things to, A, have a role in the team, put pressure on. They're the number one pressure team, uh, pressure factor, sorry, number two pressure factor team in the AFL. He's a big part of that. If he doesn't bring that, then maybe he's not in the team. So uh, some of that commentary around him uh, needing to temper his, his uh, behavior, I just don't understand it.
0: As a teammate, do you love playing with people like that? And do you? Did you used to feed off their energy as well?
3: Well, you, you love playing with them, and you know that the opposition hates playing against them. Uh, <laughs> and it can often, you know, played against those types of players. You know, a Hayden Ballantyne who can who can who can be quite distracting um, yep. when you're an opponent because you're often thinking about what he's doing. And I'll oh, have a look at this guy, and he's in your face, and he's, <laughs> he's niggling a pest. you. It's, he, him doing that, Hayden Ballantyne doing that, you know, um, Freo fans and, and, and coaches would know, well, he's on today. Yeah. When he's not, when he's disengaged in those types of things, you think, well, he's not engaged in the game. But it also distracts you from from the way you like to play. So um, I think you've got to let those young guys play with the flair and the instinct. And if they want to dye their hair, that's all well and good go, your hardest. Just bring your absolute best each and every week, and um, and we can live with it.
0: So, um, one of those people who have been quite critical is uh, Aaron Kane Corns, who I don't know if anyone has seen the Sunday Football Show. He has bleached his hair.
3: Has he? Kane
0: Corns has a bleached scone right now, and look, um, I'm not sure he can rock it as well as uh, Jackie G (laughs) is rocking his. So, so, what's it all about? Statement. I don't know.
3: Yeah, what's that all about?
0: (laughs) Who knows? I don't know what Kane's playing at, but trying to get some kind of reaction and uh, it makes him looking fairly quite... Tanned at the moment, so we'll have to uh, we'll have to ask Kane about that at, at some stage. I'm sure he's explained his uh, his look on the Sunday footy show. Just getting a, a text off the um, SMS machine. You guys are aware degoey has had gastro, might not even play. Matt from Q, Matt, we've just asked Hayden Skipworth, um, and he says degoey and Will Hoskin Elliott are all good to go today after battling gastro throughout the week. So that is good news for the Pies. Uh, Last night, a game that you wouldn't have seen too much of because you were at Marvel Stadium for North Melbourne and Carlton. But St Kilda and Port Adelaide, the power getting the job done by one point. Robbie Gray, the hero with 31 seconds left on the clock, kicking a behind. Just quickly, the power. I mean, that's two wins in a row now. They're starting to get a little bit of momentum. Is this enough? Are you seeing enough that you think they can actually possibly recover and, and still make finals? Granted, they've still got Charlie Dixon and Orazio Fantasia and a couple of others to come back into this side.
3: Yes. Um, not necessarily enough yet. I mean, um, as you said, like Dixon's still a while away. Scott Lysette's a while away. Trent McKenzie's a, McKenzie's a fair yep. while away. Fantasia, we're not sure. So, they're missing a few. They've got the Dogs uh, Friday evening. We've got another Friday double header this Friday yes, night so love it. um the dogs who have their own issues to worry about today and moving forward so uh, not yet ready to say they're back in business but it was certainly a very very important and a very uh, spirited win for the power last night
0: yeah was well, I want to ask you a question about the saints and and selling their home games because they lost this game um, last season at the same venue, Kazales Stadium. Obviously, the conditions really tough. Playing a night game at Cairns has <laughs> a lot of uh, yeah. danger to it, with just the really dewy, slippery um, conditions. So humid up there. Do you think a club like St Kilda, because if you play that game at Marvel Stadium, it's probably a different result.
3: Uh, I, I would, no, I don't. I don't agree with that. Um, I, I don't. I. I a, there's a commercial reality to the sport. So yep. and the money they get from selling that game to Cairns probably some of that goes into the football department. So they you know, just just say so they get another um, salary for a coach or they get a you know, whatever it is, something for the football department, or there's more money to spend for them in the football department. So it's important to do those types of things. I mean, I presume when Port were going for the ball and Port were having shots on goal, it was slippery for them as well. It wasn't just slippery for St Kilda, was it?
0: No 100% so, conditions are like it's for, not same it's the both. same
3: for both teams um, I just think it's an an anomaly that they lost um, you know at the death last year and they've done so again this year I just yeah you know, I don't subscribe to the fact that just because they went and played up in Cairns both teams like Port didn't Port didn't um, um, teleport themselves there they still had to travel as well so both teams traveled both teams stayed in hotels both teams played in the same conditions um and I've seen Port play really, really good footy at Marvel Stadium. I, in fact, you know, being um, an interstate player, I love going to play under the roof as well. So I'm sure the Port players do that, do enjoy going to Marvel as well. Now, I understand there may not have been as many Saints fans in the house and maybe that's you know worth a goal or whatever. But um, no, I don't think that you can blame. I think it's a little bit short-sighted to label um, a loss on the fact that they went and sold a game to Cairns.
0: And it's good to have football in the region, Ken Hinckley said after the game. It's bringing footy to the people. So I think uh, the fans in Cairns would really enjoyed themselves indeed. And a chance for both clubs to get out into the community as well and, and do some great stuff there. We know the Saints spent a few days there before. But uh, they were very, very inaccurate indeed were St Kilda. Um, four goals 18-42, and Port Adelaide obviously inaccurate as well, five goals, 13. But there was a period there where the Saints kicked seven behinds in a row. That was uh, during the third term. Port kicked three goals too. That's where the game really was uh, unfortunately lost to St Kilda. Jack Higgins, one goal, three. Max King, two goals, two. He missed one straight in front, about 20 metres out, which was really disappointing. Jade Gresham, who's had such a great season, he had 22 touches but kicked Three behinds. Wanganine Malira, two behinds. Paddy Ryder also missed a couple of easy ones, two behinds. So they just didn't have their kicking boots on last night in tough conditions. And the Saints will be ruining a couple of missed opportunities um, last night to uh, to put another win on the board, but they are five and two. Um, Port Adelaide two and five at this point of the season. All right, coming after the break, we are going to delve into the Carlton and North Melbourne game. We might chat a little bit about Melbourne and Hawthorne as well. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time,
1: a sports news update for Roll Eat Good with Roll. It's fast, fresh Vietnamese.
0: I'm Victoria Raptus with your sports update for Old. In AFL, Geelong held off Fremantle 66-69. GWS cruised to a 59-point win over Adelaide. Melbourne continued their unbeaten start with a win over Hawthorne. Port Adelaide overcame the Saints by one point. And Carlton held on to a top eight position with a 50-point win over North Melbourne. In NRL, the North Queensland Cowboys have catapulted into the top four after a crushing 35-4 victory over the Parramatta Eels. A late no try call saw the Bulldogs come out on top against the Roosters. And a late Sean Johnson field goal helped the Warriors to a one-point victory over the Raiders.
1: A sports news update for Roll. Fast, fresh, Vietnamese.
0: i happy Sunday. You're listening to Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camels call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Nat Edwards with you. Josh Jenkins is here for Buy My Stock. Got excess stock. Visit buymystock.com.au It is a delightful day here in Melbourne. I'm at the MCG as we count down to the Collingwood and Gold Coast Suns clash. Essendon and the Western Bulldogs go head to head at Marvel Stadium as well. And then 4.40 Melbourne time this afternoon. It's Sydney and the Brisbane Lions from the SCG. We've got a cracking day of football ahead. There's been plenty happening in round seven so far. And last night, Carlton got the job done. 17-12, 114, defeating North Melbourne, 10-4, 64. The Blues by 50 points. They're now 5-2 and in the Roos. Well, a fifth straight loss. They were in the game, JJ, to half time, just down by eight points. But after that, the Blues just kicked into into gear. They kicked seven goals to two in that third term.
3: They gave um, barely a yelp in the third quarter, which is disappointing. Now, I mean, you can look at... This is the interesting thing when you're assessing North Melbourne and where they are at. You can look at the fact that they were competitive in the first half but is that is that is that seriously where we're judging one of the 18 AFL teams? Like we're we judging them on the fact that they were able to be competitive for a half? Have they fallen that far? We know there's a there's a, there's a real scarcity of talent in that group. Um, there's a scarcity of leaders as well, and their captain Jack Zeebles, being thrown forward and back and not having an impact. He had an impact in one game against the Swans where he was a surprise yes. move forward. He kicked five, but he didn't look likely. At any stage last night, took the first mark inside 50 of the game, missed that shot on goal, and wasn't cited a lot thereafter. The matchups just had me absolutely astounded last night with Kerno and and Mackay. Uh, so Josh Walker, who's a bigger, um, less agile defender, he played on yep. Charlie Kerno, who's one of the most yeah. athletic forwards in the game, and Aiden Bonner, who is a more athletic. Smaller player. He played on Harry Mackay, who's a bigger, stronger, uh, straight-line mover. So it I mean, bizarre, I, wasn't it? I, I'll always defer to the North coaches, but I mean, I, I simply for the life of me can't understand why they would go with those matchups. And putting myself in Harry Mackay's shoes, he and I are about the same size. If when you get players of Aiden Bonner's size playing on you, it immediately gives you a little bit of spring in your step because you can deal with them in a body work situation, a lot easier than you can deal with a Josh Walker. So, I mean, it wasn't the reason they lost the game by any stretch, but both uh, Mackay and Kurnow had had big moments early in the game, and the longer the game went, the more dangerous they both looked.
0: I mean, it was just unfortunate losing Aiden Core, obviously, before the game to health and safety protocols. Miller Bergman came in for his debut and, unfortunately, for the young man, dislocated his shoulder early in the game. Not a debut to remember, certainly. I mean, you look at the numbers for North Melbourne. Jai Simpkin was reasonable. I think he had 22 touches, um, but... Bailey Scott 23 disposals but there's there wasn't a lot else from North Melbourne. So what do you want to see from the Ruse moving forward? Because we talk about how uncompetitive they have been at stages and, and they've had some big losses this year. They brought the heat and they were competitive for a half but what more do you want to see from them?
3: They've got to be able to actually string some, some competitive games together for the entirety of a the match. They've, they've had you know, the past three weeks, they've lost by 50, 60, and, and, and 68. Like, it's just not going to get it done. And that's forgetting the, the game they had against Brisbane where they lost by, um, yeah. it was over 100, was it 100, not? It was yeah. around 100 yeah. points. So yep. I, I don't know what level of um, historically bad type of team we are dealing with, but it is getting to that point, is it not? Like, we're starting to talk about a team that um, last night loses by 50 points... Kurnow and Mackay both missed a few goals that they would normally have kicked. Could have easily been a 70-75 point game. And uh, we hear them talking about um, the fact that they're ticking off three out of the four quarters. Well, you can't possibly tick off three quarters when you lose by 50 points as far as I'm concerned. So, um, yeah, really, really worrying signs for North. Again, their VFL team got handled uh, yesterday. They were were smoked uh, by Carlton. By 55 points in the VFL, so whether there's much to come from the VFL squad or not, I'm not too sure. Um, it's it's um, yeah, it's 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 more than concerning for North. Nick Larky's probably got some issues with the uh, match review officer with uh, a tunneling, yeah. A strange I wanted to one, ask you a, about that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think much of it at the time. Life, and then having seen it on Twitter and watched it a few times, I it was bad. I didn't like it. Um, it's dangerous, and it looked it looked to have a, a level of intent that would that would um, that would suggest he, he may have a, a case to answer. So it'll be an interesting one. I hope it's not one that he gets gets away with a fine because it, it's more than that. It could have caused serious injury. So I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, felt the wrath of the uh, of the tribunal this week.
0: Priority picks get thrown about and the conversation often goes that way. Where where do you sit on this conversation with North Melbourne? There are reports, I think it was Caro on Footy Classified, who said the priority pick is back firmly on the table for North Melbourne. When you think about that, do you think they deserve one or should be in, in contention for one, or, or is it not going to solve their problems?
3: Well, it's not going to solve their problems. Um, I, I don't like... The fact that we have to hand teams um, an extra draft pick and a, a really good draft pick to help them fix what is usually their own mess. Um, no one, you know, the thing is that you know David Noble and, and and the hierarchy and the and the brass there, they've they've inherited basically their situation to it to an extent, but they are now responsible for what happens. And um, the other element that I don't love, Nat, and you're probably across the draft more than I am, but I feel like it really dilutes the top end of the draft in the in the yeah. fact that they are getting to really take ownership of a draft because of their the, you know, their inability to, to be competitive and to put competitive teams on the park. So that's another element that I don't love. But I mean, there needs to be a lever that, that, that the league that the game can pull to, to help them become more competitive because you just can't have a team rolling around from week to week losing by fifty and sixty points.
0: Yeah, I I agree completely with that. And and David Noble and his team have a lot of work to do at North Melbourne, but just turning our focus to the Blues now who, you know, really burst out of the blocks in that third term – in the first six round, they had actually been outscored in third quarters by 117 points. So to be able to kick seven goals, to, I think would have been really pleasing for Michael Voss. Let's hear from the coach of the Carlton Football Club on what he thought about last night's win.
1: Um, and, and the thing, I, again,
3: one of the things I walked away the most pleased with was they were just great teammates tonight. They were just great teammates, you know, across the whole night. Um, they did things for each other, um, they took
1: secondary roles when they needed to, they put on little blocks that helped somebody else. Um,
3: they just really stuck together um, as, as teammates tonight and, um, you know, and as a result sort of the, the outcome ends up turning in your favour
0: that was Michael Voss on those little one percenters that often you don't see. I think, you know, we're quick to, to look at those things. Like we saw Jack Carroll um, kick the opening goal of the game on debut. Everyone flocks to, to Jack Carroll. And then, of course, when... Um, Jacob Weedering kicks a goal for the first time in I don't know how long. Um, everyone came from everywhere to celebrate with him, which is all well and good, and, and we love seeing that. But Michael Voss was pointing out that, you know, it's those little things. Um, the, the 1% is the, the smothers and the Shepherds that we don't often celebrate enough that were the great things that he loved celebrating and and his team loved to get around each other. So I think that's a a really great thing. I'm liking the way that Carlton are are going about it at the moment. And Patrick Cripps, his outstanding start to the season just continues, 33 touches, 10 clearances, 4 tackles and a goal. When it comes to the Brownlow medal, he's got to be right in there, doesn't he?
3: Well, there were three. Uh, he, he would have received three last night as far as I was concerned. I <laughs> certainly gave him the three votes for AFL Nation. Um, he was just dominant all over the field. He's, his ability to get around the ground and be impactful around the ground has has really improved um, tenfold in the past uh, or since last year. So they looked really good. Uh, Sard Fisher, Carroll, Newman, Martin, Young and Durden, they were the guys who got massive ticks. We know about their stars, but... Some of those guys um, who are lesser-known players really stood up. Durden's an incredibly impressive, hard-working, small, pressuring forward. Some of his pressure and intensity last night was really noticeable from the commentary box. So uh, I really like Carlton. I think they're a really well-balanced team. And Lewis Young's the one who stood up. Had a query over that second key back spot in the uh, void that was left by Liam Jones. Lewis Young looks like he is the Mm. one who's stood up and has made that his own.
0: What did you make of Tom DeConning's game last night? Obviously, no Mark Pidanet, so the, the ruck load falls on the shoulders of, of Tom DeConning and there was a nervous moment when he went off and, I, and his yes, foot was it being was. assessed and I thought, oh gosh, they can't afford to lose him because next in line is Alex Murkoff, who's a 22-year-old and still learning his craft. But obviously to go up against a veteran like Todd Goldstein, who has had to assume the number one rock spot uh, again after Tristan Sherry is out injured. How did you see Tom DeConning filling that role last night?
3: Look, he was, he was well beaten by Goldstein in particular. Coleman Jones was was okay. He didn't set the world on fire by any stretch of the imagination. But we, we, we need to judge De Conning, and this is the reason why the pit net loss is, is, is disastrous in a sense because De Conning's a developing, emerging, young athletic ruckman who is not yet able to, to really impact games strongly. But all the Blues really need from him because of... Chera and Cripps and Kennedy and Hewitt when he returns and Walsh. They just need him to give a really strong account of himself, not be outmarked around the ground, not allow the opposition Ruckman to really work the clock and put the ball in, in, in positions that they really want it to be in. So I thought he did that last night. Goldstein had his moments, but you know, De Conning was good. He's Some of his follow-up pressure work um, is really good. And we see the same thing from his brother Sam. They're both really... Um, agile players at ground level They're both very good at getting involved at ground level So um, it was certainly a tick For the first time this season Anyway that he had to carry the load by himself It's going to get harder He's going to see um, more and more Really, really good opponents in the ruck So it's going to be a task But uh, it's one that I think he is up for
0: yeah, I, I think so too. And he came to, to Michael Voss during the week and said, I am ready. Put me in there. And they're entrusting him with a, a very big job. The Blues ended up winning the centre clearances 22-8 to, to eight and smashed North Melbourne around there. Matt Kennedy, 11 clearances. Yeah. That was a game high. He, I just absolutely love him. I remember watching him in his draft year. His whole family are crazy Hawthorne fans. And I thought, oh, it'd be great to get him across. And it's taken a while for him to, to develop. Um, but geez, he is just a big body and he's playing some great football in 2022. He plays,
3: I think they've got the most well-balanced midfield in the game, to be honest, Nat. I know the Dogs have got okay. a lot of good players. trap look, Melbourne fans might be getting a little upset and they probably <laughs> have every right to, but they are a really well-balanced, um, powerful, potent midfield. They are. Um, I, uh, I love what I've seen them play four or five times this year and I've loved watching them.
0: The stand-in coaches have done it again. This is just insane. Yes. You look at the Melbourne game yesterday, obviously Melbourne getting the 10-point win over Hawthorne, but Adam Uze steps in, Simon Goodwin out with those health and safety protocols, and the perfect record of the stand-in coach just continues should we just have all of the head coaches just have a week off here and there and see if it might turn around someone's season, JJ?
3: Well, it's a, a nice work-life balance um, uh, issue that I, that I could probably work upon. Now, I presume, I reckon when these coaches are, are stuck at home uh, with the health and safety protocols, they're working more than they typically would because they're trying to make up for the fact that they're not there in person. But, I mean, at what point does it become a thing where... The numbers are too obvious, and the numbers are hitting us in the face. And uh, the fact that, that the standing coaches are, are unbeaten. Um, when does it come? When does it go from an, a, a little bit of an event or an anomaly to a trend that we need to take note of?
0: Well, you wouldn't want to be the first standing coach to lose. No. That's for sure. But it's great to see the stocks, I guess, of these assistant coaches who a lot of them have, um, you know, dreams and goals of being senior AFL. Coaches, so I think um, it's only a great thing for the game to get that experience in, in the hot seat.
3: I think it also um, speaks to the, the, the limited ability or limited impact that coaches can actually have on game day because so, you know, it's so hard to you know, move magnets and those things. That, that, and I've heard you know, Chris Scott speak about it and other coaches speak about it. The coaches are, are as much spectators as anyone else on game day, there's, 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 it's hard for them to make really strong moves or, or make really strong decisions and impact the game uh, strongly. And I think probably if you, were to, if you were to say one thing out of the fact that the standing coaches um, are unbeaten, it's that coaches are only to able to do so much on game day.
0: Now, just while we're on Melbourne, we obviously spoke um, briefly off the top about Max Gorn and his dominance yesterday, 29 touches, two goals, 35 hit-outs and his score involvements. No Luke Jackson. Do you have any Luke Jackson mail going around? We know that, you know, he's a Western <laughs> no, Australian native.
3: Only what I'm reading in the, uh, in the digital newspaper. I'm hearing that oh, the West Coast okay. Eagles are just arming themselves Ooh. for a charge at Al Jackson or T English. Um, which one would you... What if they both said yes? Which Ooh. one would you take?
0: Luke Jackson, for sure. Hands down. I just absolutely love him. Just, you know, he's work at crown level as yeah. well for someone who's... So, he's just like another midfielder, really, and I I just think he's got that over Tim English at this point.
3: What I will say is uh, I i don't think the terms of the contract will... or the, the financial terms of the contract won't come to fruition, but if I see that as an eight-year deal and Luke Jackson oh. goes to the Eagles, I might retire.
0: Oh, I might no. retire
3: from I might retire from sports media immediately. I can't, wow. I can't, I can't, I top it. I can't top that.
0: Okay, well you're on record at saying that now, <laughs> so let's hope that that doesn't happen and come to fruition. But Luke Jackson, certainly an absolute star of the game, um, just you just think about his grand final and, and the things that he did, it was, it was crazy good. So Melbourne, very lucky indeed to have Max Gorn and Luke Jackson at the football club and hopefully Luke is out of the protocols very, very soon and can rejoin this D's side. Plenty still to come on Crunch Time. Stick with us. We'll be back after this short break.
1: Welcome to Crunch Time. Brought to you by iSuzu. Go your own way with the 3 liter iSuzu D Max and extraordinary 7 seat MUX.
0: and welcome to Crunch Time. This is the pre-game show for Thirsty Camel. Answer the camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. It's great to have your company on this Sunday. If you have just joining us for the first time, welcome. If you're sticking with us after the first hour, thank you for staying around. Nat Edwards, Josh Jenkins and Liam Pickering joins us as well this morning. Pickers, welcome to you for the first time.
4: Uh, hello, Nat, and hello to JJ and everyone that's listening. It's, uh, it's great to be here on May the first, my mother's birthday. So happy birthday, Aww. Patty P. Yeah, the old girl turns. I'm um, not sure how many. I'm not sure. Won't let me tell you. How, okay. Did is, you she's... get her a present? Yes, yes. Of course I did. Of course I got her a present. Oh, yes. good. Uh, You're birthday. a good son then. Got the son out. Of the son got the call out of the way early this morning, and now at the MCG, and what's going to be a really good day for footy. There's not a lot of wind around, and it's going to be a good game. And well, I think it will be too strong, but we'll get to that later. But. Archie, the cooler that he is, uh, he's bullish on the Gold Coast <laughs> today. The, the cooler.
0: Well, last time they did meet here, uh, it was the Gold Coast Suns who got the job done by twenty-four points. They did, and it
4: was interesting. That was about the start of the end for Nathan Buckley last year. It was that Twilight Saturday yep. afternoon game, I reckon, for memory. And I know it was reasonably early in the season, actually, because it knocked me out of that. You know, when you've got to only pick one winner. Oh, uh, <laughs> you're dead, sir. Cert. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I took Collingwood, <laughs> and that was the end of that. So. So the Suns will come here with a bit of confidence this they afternoon. They will. And, as I said, and the conditions are absolutely magnificent for footy. so it's going to be a belter.
0: Nah, it's going to be fantastic. So Collingwood and the Gold Coast Suns here at the MCG. We also have the Western Bulldogs up against Essendon at Marvel Stadium, and that one... Looks like it's pretty much going to be a battle of, uh, well, whose season isn't going to be over after that game. That's a huge one, especially with Dylan Shield dropped, dropped from the yeah. Essendon side. Yeah,
4: it's funny. It's amazing. You go and get a player, you pay him the amount of money that Essendon have paid Dylan Shield, and he hasn't delivered, and he hasn't. I'm not sure he was – well, they know better than we do, obviously, but they weren't happy with a part of his game that was hap- – um, defensively, defensively, I Defensively, I assume. but. yeah. Uh, It's a lot of money to be running around in the VFL, I would have thought.
0: Well, he's still got three years after this season left on a seven-year deal. So Dylan Shield needs to turn um, his fortunes around in Essendon and certainly will be hoping that he can do so. And the last game on the Sunday, Sydney up against the Brisbane Lions at the SCG. That is going to be an absolute cracking game. And if we thought Geelong-Fremantle was match of the round, this one's right up there as well. Well, it is
4: on paper and certainly going into the game we're, we're, Expecting great things from both teams. Uh, Yesterday's game, Geelong and Fremantle, we'll get to, but that was that was a ripper of a game too. Really, great pressure game. But you're hidden away on a a Sunday afternoon at 4:40 seems a little bit rich. I hate when we're doing rolling fixtures. You've got to understand, no one wants to watch Richmond Richmond and West Coast on a Friday night. They want to see good games and. That promises to be an absolute belter.
0: It was. Well, we should get to the Geelong-Fremantle game because we are yet to review that one. It was uh, Geelong 10-6, 66, going down to Fremantle 10-9, 69. Frio, 6-1 now. They're second on the ladder. They are the real deal, missing Sean Darcy, Matt Tabner, as well as, of course, Nat Fyfe, And Then you had Hayden Young and um, Heath Chapman still missing... As well, what did you like from Fremantle yesterday, Pickers? I liked
4: everything about Fremantle. I love the way they defended when they were challenged earlier. The Cats were really good in the first quarter. They changed their game plan. They started to win a contest. And then what they did was they just didn't allow you an easy possession. And it wasn't until the last quarter the Cats really clicked into gear and and, and got it back on the terms that they wanted to play it at. But for two quarters, they were outworked.
0: Yeah, they certainly were. This was the coach, Justin Longmuir, on uh, whether it was the best win of his career.
3: Yeah, you know, as a coach, said it before, you don't really sit around rating them. Um, but it was a, a great win.
2: Um, you know, we came down here prepared for an arm wrestle and compared, uh, prepared to go the distance because that's what you have to do down here. And, um, yeah, I thought we
3: fought and that's, you know, become a part of our brand is we just keep fighting and um, we're able to do that.
0: So it was the Dockers' fourth win in 19 attempts at Cardinia Park. I don't think they've won there since something like 2015. And they kept the Cats goalless as well from the 28-minute mark of the first quarter until the 20th minute mark of the third term. That's pretty hard to do, JJ, given that Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins have been in terrific form.
3: It is, and they're just a really... um... I was going to say Dower, but that's a disrespectful term to use because they're better than that. But Brennan Cox and Griffin Logue, um, Alex Pierce is the big body who takes the, the key forwards. So they've conceded 65 to the Saints, 47 to West Coast, 54 to the Giants, 59 to Essendon, 62 only to Carlton, and 66 to the Cats. Admittedly, you know a few of those teams in there aren't necessarily going to be in the finals, but what they are very good at is they're good at supporting each other in the air. None of them are, uh, are deadly kicks coming out of the back half, but they can all kick the footy really well out of the back half. Luke Ryan's the other one who I should have mentioned. So their back six or seven uh, are a really impressive unit.
4: Yeah, they are. Uh, interesting you say that. I mean, they didn't look so hot in the first sort of 10 minutes, 15 minutes when the ball was zinging mm. in there pretty quick. I mean, it's all about what they do up the ground, and it's yeah. their, their work in and around the footy that slowed the Geelong play down so easily in the end. I thought it was an easy defence for them. Um, as as far as the way that Geelong brought the ball. And I, I just think they they dug a dirty big hole for themselves, the Cats, with the, the way they were held up. And that's nothing to do with Geelong. Let's just say that Fremantle up the ground was so good.
0: So I was listening to Chris Scott after the game and he talked about how well Fremantle defended the corridor too, so didn't allow them that use. Where, where do you both see Geelong at the moment? He thinks that their best football is not too far away, but there's obviously things that they need to work on. What are the big issues? I'll get both of you to answer this one.
4: Uh, They were a a little bit fumbly yesterday, the Cats, which was unlike them. They looked sharp early. They were really strong in the first 20 minutes. And then once Fremantle sort of took a few body blows and then sort of of just held their ground Mm. and started to come back at them, I thought they got a bit fumbly. Missed a lot of targets. Uh, Felt the pressure at times yesterday. They're a very good team, the Cats. Don't worry about that. I'm not worried about... I mean they got beaten by a better team yesterday. Yeah. Like that, that, but it was
0: three points as well. They had a chance. They could have snatched the and game. And didn't
4: really and really were out of the game for two quarters, I thought. So I'm not all that concerned about the loss. I mean, obviously the Cats would want to win. Clearly they were they're trying to win and everyone wants to be five and two rather than four and three. But I don't think it's panic stations by any stretch. But I do would like to see a little bit more out of a couple of the players, in particular some of the guys that have been around the system a little while that I reckon just need to lift their rating a little bit. JJ, what about you? <laughs> oh, there, are of, <laughs> there are plenty of names. There are plenty of names, but there are a few down on what I think they can deliver. Yeah, yeah, I no, think they're I, good I, players, but I mean, take Tommy Stewart out of that side. Of the Cats lose oh, by five goals yeah. yesterday. Simple as yeah, that.
3: Yeah, he was. Um, he was a man. Had forty disposals. Almost, almost a kilometre of uh, metres gained yesterday. But I think the midfield was a, a bit of a concern yesterday. Take the loss of Max Holmes. Pick is probably yeah. Um, for such a young player, it really highlighted the fact that um, that we that we missed a, a bit of run and a bit of carry and a bit of boldness because you spoke about how um, Dower, the Cats were going inside forward 50 or going inside their half of the ground and Max Holmes is one of those guys who that youthful exuberance takes the game on. They missed him. Sam Menegola, I'm watching the VFL game Geelong v. Willie right now. Sam Menegola's not playing so he's one they'd like to get into the mix um, at some stage but Probably just lacked a little bit of brashness and boldness and dare with the footy yesterday and played into the hands of the Dockers defenders.
4: No doubt. And it sort of helps when... Uh, I thought Stanley was pretty good yesterday. Uh, I thought he, he played a quite a good game. I thought he was a little bit off early, but I thought he was pretty good after quarter time. Uh, but there are a number of the midfielders. They were well beaten in the midfield. There's no doubt about that yesterday. I mean, and when they... They didn't have high numbers, which is unlike July. Outside of Tom Stewart, uh, Guthrie got a lot of the ball, but there were not too many others really troubled the scorers too much. So... A full credit to, to Fremantle. They were just terrific.
0: And the Cats hopeful that Patrick Dangerfield will be good to go – I believe, next week. So that corked calf keeping him out for two weeks, which isn't ideal at all. Uh, I asked JJ this off the top because we were talking a couple of weeks ago about who the second-best team in the competition is behind Melbourne, and, and I guess the general consensus was probably it was Brisbane at that stage. Where do you have Fremantle sitting pickers?
4: Well, I'm sitting firmly in the top four or five teams at the moment. I mean, they go to Geelong with three or four really good players not mm. playing, and, they, and they're able to find a win after being... Tr- Three goals to zip down before the you know, it even blinked. oh uh, you know, they're in the mix, absolutely. And the two teams that are playing after the, after this game today, looking like Brisbane and and, um, and Sydney, I think are in the mix as well.
0: Um, JJ for yours with Fremantle, Nat Fife, luxury comes back into the side. Does he? I know he wants to, and he said before he wants to play more midfield time than forward, but do you think he's probably just going to have to suck it up a little bit and, go, and just spend more time forward, given their midfield is going so well at the moment?
3: Well, he, he, how long has he missed? He's missed, when was the last time he played a, a consistent block of foot? Like, he's missed a lot of footy. Yeah. Um, we he's
4: have, a luxury, uh, JJ. He's a luxury now.
3: Yeah, that's what I mean, because I, like I, we had this um, debate on the run home on Friday. Andy and I, Andy Maher and I had this debate about, um, I think Damien Hardwick sort of said, someone said, does Dusty come through the VFL? And Damien Hardwick said, yeah, I don't think he knows what the VFL is. <laughs> I, think, I think Fremantle have got the luxury now of giving Fife the ability to build his match fitness and build his conditioning and give him a chance to to, because it's very hard to to play limited minutes or to play sparingly at AFL level I think they've got the luxury of just building him as they see fit they don't need to just plonk him in the midfield and say we need you to carry us because they're playing so well
4: hang on a minute are you you giving a headline are you saying five Jenkins says five to return via the waffle
0: is that what you're saying
3: when you're going that well what's wrong with doing that
4: you know, you don't.
0: Nah, no, not Nap Five. Can you, you imagine that Five paddocks, playing
4: in the Waffle? You don't play out <laughs> of the paddocks with a Porsche, mate. Nathan <laughs> Buckley. Here I remember and Nathan
3: on. Williamstown running around. I remember Nathan Buckley playing a game for Williamstown. If it's good enough for Bucks, he's got a brown low as well.
4: Really, I don't remember Bucks playing for Williamstown. Bucks
3: definitely played a game for Williamstown. I will stake wow. my life and uh, small well, reputation on the fact.
4: I was going to say, oh, I can't remember it, but you might be right. You might be right, JJ. But anyway. They are in a great position. They're a system-based team at the moment. I don't don't really think it matters who comes into that team. They're going to play the way they played yesterday. And I think with the injuries they had and the people that were out of the side, their best ruckman, their best forward, and a couple of young young players are really coming along well. They just replace them with players, and it's like a, a factory. Away they go and do the job. I, I just thought they were terrific.
0: No, nah, they were. Uh, one person in particular who is having a great season and was terrific, Blake Akers, 27 touches the on, best game on the wing. Yeah, was it the best game? No, I've
4: never seen him play a yeah. game like that before. He was everywhere. He was banging them from 50. <laughs> Blake Akers, I mean, he was a bit of a journeyman at St Kilda. And
0: Very much so. He's
4: become a pretty integral part of that Fremantle side, and I think that's... A testament to what they're doing at Fremantle—they're getting the best out of their players. Oh, even
0: Travis mm. Collier. like you just just—he's like, been around yeah. for ages, but he has got the absolute best out of himself.
4: They have got some really unheralded players. Yeah. um what's his name? The little fella, Schultz, Schultz in the forward. They've got yeah. some really good players that, if they walked in here now, you wouldn't know what they look like. Like you wouldn't pick them out in the lineup, in my view. I just haven't seen. You don't see a lot of them. They get a lot of fanfare. Yeah. Banfield yeah. gets involved. You know, there's a few of those guys like you know Darcy Tucker these sort yep. of characters yeah you know, yesterday that I thought were really important when the game was on the line
3: yeah, yeah no, I, I agree they're a, they're a really they're really um they they're they're, a, they're not a champion team but they're they they're, they're a team that doesn't rely on any one individual that's kind of what I'm trying to say about Nathan Fife sure he's going to be He's going to add the cream uh, to the cake, but he no longer needs to be the cake. He can just afford to be the cream because they've got a soldier, or they've got a bunch of soldiers who, uh, who certainly took it to the Cats and then some yesterday.
4: Yeah, they did. And Banfield, of course, was in the team, but he didn't, he, was, he didn't get on the ground. He didn't do a lot of damage yesterday. But he's another one of those unsung yep. sort of heroes at Fremantle.
0: So Fremantle face North Melbourne in our Friday night doubleheader. We've got Port Adelaide and the Dogs at Adelaide Oval, and then Frio hosting North at Optus Stadium. They're the two. They're, the, they're the two, the, they're Friday, the two night games. Friday night oh games. <laughs> so
4: who's it? Sorry, Port Adelaide, no. Dogs. Yeah, in where? It's
0: a Adelaide Oval Pre-League. yeah. Pre-lead I mean, on oh, paper,
4: on paper, it sounds great. Yeah, but when I mean, you yeah. fixed
0: this at the I'll start of the year. Y- you oh,
4: there know. you go. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> oh, we had to cop Richmond on West Coast last week. Fair dinkum. We have got a double header of it.
0: Yep. I get two.
4: Not really. Not games. I'm going to be sort of setting the alarm no. for. I'm, thinking, Fre- oh, oh, no, nah. I'm getting an early pizza. JJ. I'm going <laughs> to settle in and watch a double header.
3: <laughs> <laughs> not going to be happening. Freeo. and North starts at eight forty. So you won't have to wait. How many people do you reckon be watching the second half of that game?
4: you imagine the way Fremantle play. Probably no North Melbourne fans. The way North are playing and the way Fremantle are playing, it should. Sounds it looks to be like a walk in the park.
0: But the other one is Geelong. Geelong have to travel to Monica Oval to play the Giants. That one is on Saturday, four thirty five. Do you think that could be a bit of a danger game potentially for the Cats? I mean Toby Green four goals in the first half yesterday and looks like the Giants I don't know, they might be up and running again with that, that second win of the of the season.
4: Oh, to do absolute danger game. I think it's a half a flip of the coin, really. I mean, I'd be confident the Cats can win, but, I mean, the Giants, you know, get their tails up. And you saw what they can do. Yesterday is the real Giants. Yeah. And what we saw the week before was the old Giants. You know, the ones that you just don't know what they're going to give you. But when they're on, they are a very good team.
0: I mean, do you think that it could be the turning point for the Giants, JJ, what we saw yesterday from them, just the output from those senior players? They just look to have their mojo back.
3: Oh, they just completely ambushed Adelaide. And, and Adelaide, whilst they'd been ultra-impressive over the past fortnight, uh, Adelaide will still be prone to dishing up stinkers as a young team. And they did that yesterday. The Giants went there and ambushed them. 11-8 to 2-3 at halftime. The game was all over. But as you said, Nat, um, Josh Kelly completely stood up. Um, young Greens, uh, he's announced – he's just sort of a Clayton Oliver clone, the way he plays the game, yeah. the way he's able to get the footy out of uh, contest and 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 the giants are just a it's simple math because he often kicks three or four but it's just a three or four or five goal better team when toby green plays in the side they're um they are they're a, they're a, they're, a, they're a potent squad when toby green is in the uh is in the giants 22 and we saw what he did yesterday kicked a few in the first half and and put that game away
4: now jj let me read you something <laughs> no. Collingwood champion Nathan Buckley made a return from a troublesome hamstring injury through the VFL with Williamstown back in 2007. It was the second and last time he would wear the blue and gold. <laughs> well done, JJ. You're Thank right. You. Thank sent me that through. He never someone
0: misses. Someone else has put through on the text machine. I reckon Chris Judd played a game in the VFL on his way back from injury. That's Tim from Hello. Richmond. Hello.
3: Oh. Hello. Oh. You're oh. on to something. You're on to enough.
4: something. Good enough oh, for yeah. Judd and Buckley. Although,
0: they've,
3: has Judd got two Brownlows or one? Two. Oh, all five's got got two. Two. Oh, got two, so uh, off to Peel right. Thunder you go, Nathan. <laughs> oh, boy, Jenkins <laughs> banishes,
4: says to banish <laughs> Nat five through the waffle for a month. <laughs> That's what not the headline sh- will be.
3: Needs a sure month. The, uh, not sure Sunday Crunch gets through to end five just yet.
4: <laughs> I'm pretty sure it doesn't.
0: Hey, you mentioned Toby Green before we were talking about the Giants. Do you think that they are just far too reliant? on him as a player, to, to give them that spark and inspire them? Well,
3: uh, yeah, probably yes, but he's just that good of a player. And the thing that he does is when he's in the team, it makes Jesse Hogan's job easier. It makes um, Harry Himmelberg's job easier. Now, they bob up. Hogan bobs up. or well, he doesn't bob up. He was one of the better players on the ground. 18 disposals, took 10 marks, kicked 3-3. But also, Himmelberg kicks a couple... Um, Caniglio was the one who I was really impressed with, was able to you know, twenty disposals. And when he was playing his best footy pickers, Caniglio was a it was a really dangerous sort of resting um, forward who'd play deep and he'd be really good on the ground and he'd be good in a one on one. He got back to a bit of that yesterday. So it's really good to see him returning to some form as well.
4: Well he's a leadership guy, isn't he, Steve Caniglio I mean, I think he was elevated to the captaincy a little bit too early and on the back of one really good season, but he struggled since, but this year I've just noticed a couple of games I watched the Giants and he seems to be getting back to what he was two and three years ago. Mm. Uh, and that's important because you know what you're going to get from Toby Green. People have said, oh, he's disappointing first game back. Well, it's like a horse <laughs> first up. Sometimes they don't come up. <laughs> yeah, give him a, a week and he's come out and showed you what he could do last so obviously. So maybe yesterday. he should
0: have played in the. They play in no, the Bears No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I don't agree. I,
4: I, I think you can find touch in the AFL. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't agree with what JJ's saying. I think you can stick Nat Fife in and play him minutes play him off the bench play him as a forward give him a run on the ball and you can get him into touch without running around in the waffle personally that's my view i mean there's no right or wrong either way but that would be my view someone that could be as damaging and as dangerous as him it's a hard competition to win games in so if he's going to help you and i think that five would help you like toby green helps um yeah i just think you get, get get him into the team and get rolling
3: the one thing that they do do, and this is probably um, going against my point of view, but the one thing that, that a Fife and a Green um, and a Dangerfield, when he returns, what they do do is they force the opposition to spend a lot of time thinking about them, where they're going to play and what they're going to do, and is Fife going to play win, uh, mid or forward, and they spend a lot of time on them, and they um, are someone who commands respect whether they're playing well or not at, at, at AFL level. So, you know, a defender's never going to leave the side of Nathan Fife. With it when he's playing inside 50 for Frio. So I certainly understand it from that point of view as well.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to next Saturday's clash between Geelong and the Giants just to see if the Giants can build a little something. But we turn our attention to the game here at the MCG Collingwood up against the Gold Coast Suns. And Stephen King, a senior assistant from the Suns, has been good enough to join us on Sunday Crunch Time. Welcome to you, Stephen.
5: Thanks for having me, Nat.
0: Um, I guess a, a really tough loss last week to the Lions in the Q clash. How have you? Oh, I guess what's the mood been like around the club, and what have you learnt from from that loss that you can kind of work on and focus on for this week against the Sun, uh, the Pies?
5: Oh, look, I look, I feel like there were certain parts of the game we we're really happy with walking away contested footy clearances uh, inside fifties. So it's just the unfortunate thing was just the ease of how Brisbane scored. So. Just the efficiency they went at to some critical contests for to the ball where Bailey, uh, Cameron, they were just really clean and sharp and made us pay. So uh, we watched those sort of contests as a group, and I think um, you know a whole week's been based on pretty much just the contest side of things and just um, just embracing that. So yeah, look, some lessons learnt, and um, hopefully we can hold up a bit, a bit stronger behind the footy today.
0: So round seven, last year, you came to the MCG and you beat the Pies by 24 points. How much do you look at that and does the group, I guess, remember that occasion and and gain that confidence from that? Or is it very much, you know, a new Pies outfit under Craig McRae, a new challenge this year?
5: Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a new challenge, obviously, but I, I think there is some good points. The boys have been here before and had success. So for a young group, that's, that's important um, and they feel good about that, so... We've looked at a little bit of that, but as you say, you know, new regime under under Craig and and uh, you know, a new younger group coming through at Collingwood, so they do they are playing a different style, and, and likewise so are we. So it does it's pretty much irrelevant, but it's good that the boys have a, you know, a few nice memories of playing here last year. Can you the uh,
4: no no Brodie Grundy for the first time? Mean, God only knows how long, but it's been a long time since Collingwood had gone out without Brodie Grundy in the ruck. It's a very very important game for your captain Jared Witts, today. I think if he can get on top, you know you'd be hoping he'll give first juice to your midfield.
5: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pickers—he's—he's been—we've been wrapped with the way Witzie's been going, coming back from a knee, um, getting his hand on the ball, making things a lot more predictable for our mids inside. And um, yeah, if he can—if he can just give us that predictability around the ball and, and uh, help our territory game at stoppage, um, that'll be massive for us. So yeah, we've got to look to, um, you know, make the most out of Whitzy's height and his experience. But um, having said that, he'll be up against two other players today. that will try and probably work him around the ground a little bit as well.
3: Kingy, uh, you, you beat number one uh, in the early part of the season for intercept marks. If you've been able to generate enough, we know at AFL level intercept marks uh, are almost king at the moment with the way that they're able to kickstart your ball movement. Do you feel you get enough uh, bang for your buck when those guys take those intercepts and, and, you, and you move into your offensive side of your game? Yeah,
5: I, I still feel that our ball use is a work in progress at the moment. I, I think we've tried to probably transform the group a little bit from being... You know, I guess an uncontested marked uh, time in possession team into being a forward half territory taking team. Um, with that, probably we'll probably focusing a little bit more on, you know, taking ground, taking territory. And at the moment, we're probably playing a bit too straight line and kicking the ball back to contest too early. So to answer shortly, I guess, no, we're probably not. Um, that's a constant work on is our method with the footy. And, and I, I think at any level, at any club, that's the probably one thing you are. Uh, not only helps you, it allows you to score, but also you know set up field position, um, have the ball in your hands, and, and make the opposition defend you a bit more. So yeah, clearly it's a work in progress for us, and, and we're you know we're trying to train it each week.
0: I want to ask you about your ball movement going inside fifty. You've only lost the inside fifty count once this season, but your conversion rate's probably way down. Is is that been a big focus, just working on how you are? going inside fifty and, and you know those entries, those forward fifty entries. Yeah,
5: absolutely. We we want to be a fourth half team, um, and we and we're getting that, but then there's another, you know, layer of detail that comes with that and that's that's connections. You know, knowing, you know, Choli and Levi are both new players at our club. Um, you know, we've got Luco playing up there for the first time and and yeah, just it's just the chemistry, just being able to, I guess, connect and and make the most of just looking for options off the line a little bit more. So we, we've probably been a bit too bombish in there at times and a bit too predictable. So that's that's something an area we certainly need tweaking.
3: Kingy, have you have you how have you seen that? Uh, obviously, losing Ben King was a, a a really upsetting moment for the group. But you've had Levi Casbot come in and Mabior Chol come in from an outsider's perspective I think they've both done a a serviceable job is that how you've seen the the way those two guys have gone about it because I presume you probably thought only one of the two would be in the side most weeks
5: yeah look I I think when Charlie came up we obviously knew we'd be getting a a key forward that could pinch it in the ruck and that's what he's doing and then Levi I guess that was something that unfolded before Kingy's injury And, and thank God you know we got him up here because he's been fantastic for us I think he's He's competed really strongly. Um, I don't think he's been outmarked yet this year. Um, he's brought balls to ground. I think he's, he's just been a, a you know, a shining pillar for us up forward just with his, his competitiveness and the way he competes and brings balls to the ground. So he, he's been super for us and, and a really strong role model around the club. So, you know, those two are holding up their end of the bargain. We've just got to make sure we probably don't just get too brainwashed with going to Levi or Marbs all the time. We actually look for other options as well late.
4: Kingy, the most talked about player of the last week has
5: been Jack Ginnivan.
4: Uh, you've got something in, uh, in store for him this afternoon. Otherwise, he's going to get real chirpy.
5: Yes, he will pick us, that's for sure. Um, and that's an area of the game we probably got touched up with Brisbane Smalls last week. So, um, you know, hopefully our, our small backs and our, and our mids get back as well. But that's an area of the game we need to make sure we're a bit tighter this week.
3: Kingy, uh, Jack Lukosius returns to the side, he's you know, we've seen him play at the wing, he's played down back, he's played up forward a fair bit this year. Have you settled on where you think you'll get your best out of Jack Lacocious yet?
5: Yeah, we, we want the footy in his hands. Um, he's trained all pre-season as a forward and you'll probably see him forward, wing, um, yeah, just just help setting us up and I, I think with his, he's probably missed three games this year so we want him back in the team. We want the ball in his hands in our front third, and hopefully that'll help you know, fix that efficiency problem going inside 50 because he's such a beautiful kick. So hopefully he's involved in the game early and we get the ball in his hands.
0: Stephen, appreciate your time. Good luck today. Thanks so much for joining us on Pleasure. Sunday Crunch Time. No worries, guys. Thanks a lot. Stephen King there. will be back right after this here on Sunday Crunch Time.
1: winning crunch time.
0: You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time. Nat Edwards, Josh Jenkins and Liam Pickering with you. Our experts today are here for Buy My Stock Got Excess Stock. Visit buymystock.com.au. We are counting down to the Collingwood Gold Coast Clash here at the MCG. Not too far away, about 40 minutes from the first bout, there is a late change for the Pies. Callum Brown replaces Reef McInnes in the starting side. No late changes for the Gold Coast Suns. The medical subs: Reef McInnes and Gold Coast Jeremy Sharp. The good news for the Pies fans is that Jordan De and Will Hoskin Elliott are all good to go after about a. Bout of Gastro, Very nasty stuff.
4: That's nasty, no doubt about that. But uh, anyway, they they wouldn't be out there if they weren't good enough to be out there. So they'll be right.
0: No, so exactly. So that clash coming your way very soon. We obviously have Essendon and the Western Bulldogs going head-to-head at Marvel Stadium. And, JJ, that one, really, when you think about it for both sides, it could be season done for the loser.
3: Well, uh, I think a a lot of people have uh, already... Finished Essendon's season for them, um, but from the Dogs' perspective, if they if they were to lose t- today, uh, if they were to lose today to the Bombers, I would imagine they'll be on the back page of the paper tomorrow for uh, all the wrong reasons. So it's a big game for the Dogs, and I think they'll get it done. But gee, they look like they've got some holes in their side at the moment.
4: The, it'll be a bigger story if Bulldogs lose than Essendon. I think most people will expect the, the Bulldogs to bounce back and win today. I do. Yep. I think they'll win today. But, yeah, if they do happen to get knocked over, that will be the big story. That'll be leading the news. Uh, no doubt about that's tomorrow.
0: Yeah, it certainly will be. The Bulldogs have won seven of the last eight against Essendon, an average over 100 points, which doesn't bode well for the Essendon Footy Club. But let's see what they can put up. We are now ready, though, to head to Josh Jeans at Dabble.
1: Enjoying Crunch Time Banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time Bets. Go on, have a dabble, gamble responsibly. Call 1 800 858 858.
4: Nothing better is there than uh, getting our main man Joshy Jeans on the line uh, on a Sunday. He's usually a bit chirpy. Uh, How are you, JJ? Yeah, good. What happened at the nursing home yesterday? Oh, the old nursing home joke. How did I know you were going to start off like that? It's funny. I mean, I guess it's better than humiliating yourself on a Friday night by 109 points, given you're a West Coast fan. Yeah, but we're no good, you know. And as uh, Ricky Bobby says, <laughs> if you're not first, you're last, you know. So we're, we're at the same spot right now, Pickers. But uh, hey, now I've I got... think he's doing pretty well. Oh, sorry, you go. Yeah, t- t- no, tell us about yesterday, because I was listening to, the, to Dermot and the crew. I reckon they had a pretty good day. Dermy had a ripper day. He was on fire. He hit two multis. Uh, he had a same-game multi and then just a, a little two-legger, which both hit. So he is on fire. That's not going to get to his head at all. But I'm um, hoping the uh, Sunday, Sunday Crunch Time team can bounce back. he have gone pies over the Suns, dogs over the Bombers, and the Lions over the Swans. What's your favourite league there, Piggy? Uh, yeah, I don't mind that. I think the, the I'm certainly happy with the first two. The Lions switch Swans at, at the SCG. Yeah, I know there's been a fair bit of money for the Lions. So, um, no, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that, Josh. Absolutely. Well, the easiest way to copy it and follow Dermy as well is download the Dabble app. Uh, You can follow Dermy 23 and Crunch Time AFL. Go on, have a dabble, dabble socially, and gamble responsibly. Good on your Pickers. Thanks, Josh. We'll chat next week. Sounds good. Joshie Jean's there from Dabble, of course, and they're doing great things. And Dermot was on fire yesterday, the big man. I'm sure. He loves it too, Dermot. I'm sure
0: he wasn't wasn't quiet about it either.
4: No, well, he's a good judge, Dermot. He's a very good judge. I have to admit, I'm 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 a massive Dermot fan, though, I must say. He is actually a really good judge on footy.
0: I'm sure he is. You
4: should. He's a, he's a hero. Of yours. You're a awful nutter.
0: I absolutely loved it. The strut. The he score. just loved, he like chest out. He
4: yeah. was a real peacock. He, I tell you what, JJ would have got out of his way back in the day. <laughs> he would have run straight through the big guy. Hey,
0: we were talking about stars playing the VFL before, and people have chimed in with with a few others on the text machine. Tony Lockett and Ben Cousins both playing VFL as well. Yeah,
4: I do remember Tony Lockett playing for Port Melbourne. Um, Remember Tony Lockett, he retired and came back and he wanted his old number back number four and Benny Matthews said, nah, I'm, I'm wearing that. Sorry. <laughs> he ended up with wearing some 47 or something, I think it was.
0: And JJ, you're watching the VFL at the moment.
3: I am, yeah, quarter time. Uh, the Cats, uh, they've kicked four straight. The Williamstown Seagulls, they're the Seagulls, aren't they, Williamstown? Yep. Or if, yep. Yeah, I made that up. 2-7-19, uh, so... Uh, Close game, inaccurate, Willie. The the Cats, uh, big number 81. I've got to get onto the stat sheet and work out who big number 81 is for the Cats. He's kicked a couple, the big fella at full forward. So, uh, they're missing a few, the Cats. There's only about half a dozen AFL-listed players running around here. So, a bit light on in the VFL for the Cats. And Gold Coast, they're uh, giving Werribee a touch-up as well. So, Kingy and the Gold Coast boys are looking for a double today here in Victoria.
4: What do you think of this game this afternoon? I, I think Collingwood will handle the Gold Coast, but, I mean, there's a lot of talk that, that the Gold Coast, they're, they're ready to roll and probably going to win this game.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm bullish on Collingwood. I think I agree with Hayden Skitworth. They, they are 3-3, three and three, but aside from the loss to West Coast at Marvel Stadium, which is absolutely just mystifying based on what we've <laughs> seen from West Coast <laughs> since, um, they, they've been really good. They were really competitive against Brisbane up there. We know how good the Lions are. Um, they just did enough last week against Essendon, but Essendon threw the kitchen sink at them. I think they've been good. I think they will beat Gold Coast, but with Miller and Rowell and Anderson and, and Brandon Ellis, they're starting to build a really good nucleus of players. I agree with you, Pickers. Jared Witt should be able to give them an armchair ride. So they can if they can just manufacture enough ball inside 50, if Levi can kick two or three, if Mabior can kick two or three, and Rankin maybe can step up, maybe they will trouble the Pies.
0: Jack Lacocious, though, is a big in for the Gold Coast Suns. Can we work
4: out, where do you think they're going to play? I
3: don't think they know. Who who knows? I didn't understand, um, who am I to question um, what Stephen King and the Gold Coast Suns coaches say, but he said he's going to play forward, but they want to get the footy in his hands. I would think if they're desperate to get the footy in his hands, which I think is a great idea, play him uh, on a wing or behind the ball, um, make it easier for him to get the ha- the ball in his hands because playing as a high sort of leading roaming forward that can be a graveyard sometimes mm. you can get the ball eight or ten times so he's an interesting one he's he um I, I um did some work with him when he was coming through the under 18s in south australia and he was just a he's a really athletic hybrid type he's not big enough to play key forward he's He's, um, he's an interesting mover. What he is is an unbelievable kick of the footy. So what they're going to do with him, I don't know, but they do certainly need to work it out because they've spent a lot uh, on him. He's out of contract. Apparently, he's going to stay, and they need to work out how to get the best out of him.
4: Well, the other one like in that, in that same boat as his mate from Adelaide is they're always talked to about together is, is Rankin. You always hear Lukosius and Rankin, Lukosius yeah. and Rankin, Rankin yeah. and Lukosius. I don't, I don't know where Rankin's that to be honest. I mean, he's such a talent. We've seen glimpses of his talent, but we've never seen it consistently. So he's been in the system long enough now to actually start contributing as a footballer on a regular basis. Yeah, you just yeah.
0: want to see him take a, gra- a game yeah. by the scruff of its neck, don't you, and break it open. And we just haven't really seen that from him for, for a number of reasons. I know that he's had some injury issues, but just that consistency hasn't been there.
3: He probably needs to evolve his game as well because he lives in the graveyard as a small forward at the moment, reliant on turning seven or eight disposals a week into three or four goals. And that's a hard way to make a living. He needs to evolve his game to get up on the wing, you know, spurt through the midfield and get involved in the game because he also is so creative. But if you're getting the ball eight times a week, because you can only be so damaging. So he needs to turn himself from an eight to ten disposal a week sort of guy up around fourteen or fifteen, and have more score involvements and, and help the team in other ways than just kicking a miraculous goal.
4: Well, I think that's the big point, though, isn't it? I mean, you can you can you can be a contributor having an eight, eight and eight and ten touches, and have to be a really valuable contributor if you're putting on defensive pressure and locking the ball inside your forward fifty. I don't see him doing that. Yeah, you know, I don't see him working like I see Lockie Schultz yesterday, yeah. like you see some of these other small forwards, and Gosh they're just Ruschery. fanatical yep. when it comes to the ball being in the area, and they're just. It's impossible to get an easy position out of defence. I don't see that with Isaac Rankin. I know he's talented. Everyone knows he's talented. But I reckon a little bit less flash and a little bit more grit, and I reckon you'll get a better player.
0: Sam Collins is, I don't know, sort of out of nowhere. Maybe we just don't talk about the Gold Coast Suns all that much, but he is one of the best defenders in in the competition. I mean, seeing him against Joe Danaher last week, um, you know, even though maybe Joe got the better of him, Goal-wise, one-on-one contest-wise, I thought Sam did a pretty good job.
4: Oh, he's a very good player. He's a, he's, a, he's an underrated player to a, to a point. I mean, the clubs all rate him. He just doesn't get the media fanfare because they're <laughs> off Broadway. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of those players. I mean, Butterick's a really good player yeah. for, the, for the for the Suns as well. Yeah,
0: good to have him. Guys
4: back. that you don't really hear a lot about. You would have, did you play on Sam Collins, JJ? I
3: did. Yeah, he's a he's a big brute, strong guy. Reads the ball really well in the air. And now he's played. You know, a few years of AFL footy, backs himself and goes for his marks, and that—that's what separated him. Now he—he's an intercept marker, and they're the hardest guys to play on. The guys who just follow you around and all they care about is getting the ball to ground—they're—they're they're better to play on. But it's the ones who want to move you away and, and take the intercept marks. And he's evolved his game into that style. And the thing you talk about—less, um, you know, less sort of glitz and more grit. Well, Sam Collins, is grit, like it means the world to him every single contest. Yeah. Um, he refuses to get beaten. It's just unacceptable. And when he does get beaten, we saw the night Tom Lynch, I think it was, got a hold of him, and he completely, his head he was it. about to explode. So they're the types that the Gold Coast need, and they're the types that they're starting to accumulate. A few of those guys who just don't accept getting beaten, and you're seeing them perform a little bit more consistently because of that.
4: You're going to see that when you, the minute they drafted Matthew Rowell, uh, I knew that the whole mindset of that group will change because he's a win, he's a winner. Like he's, he is a leader. Uh, him and his mate Noah Anderson, he's playing a really good I footy. I love Noah. Those two boys, I, I think him. they can carry this club forward. I really do. Uh, and no, I'm not, I don't manage either of them, by the way. Just just, just <laughs> to put it on the right, I don't manage them. But I just love the way they both play. And I think Raoul, um, you yeah, know, well, what's happened to Matt Raoul? Well, he'll be right. Matty Raoul's going to be, be fine. Because he's, be he's worked rate and everything he does is just first class. So, now nah, he's a guy that can pick him up and put him on his shoulder, in my view. Uh, Yes, he's had a year and a half of injuries, but he's starting to get his act together now, and he's had a couple of really good games this year, and I think today might be one of those days. The MCG, he was born to play on this ground, that kid.
0: Yeah, so the Suns 2-4, and but they've played Melbourne, St Kilda, Brisbane and Carlton, so all top eight sides so far. So hopefully they can bring some of what they've learnt playing against those top sides to the MCG today where they obviously beat Collingwood here last year in round 7. The first bounce not too far away, about 29 minutes away here at the MCG. We'll be back right after this on Sunday Crunch Time.
1: The award winning Crunch Time.
0: You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time. It's great to have your company as we count down to the Collingwood and Gold Coast game here at the MCG. Essendon and the Western Bulldogs go head-to-head at Marvel Stadium and then an absolute rip-snorter in Sydney. And the Brisbane Lions at the SCG. The Lions looking to break a 13-year hoodoo at the SCG later this afternoon. That's going to be an absolutely cracking game. We've touched on most games this round so far, JJ and Pickers, but the one we haven't touched too much on was uh, what happened on Friday night, which I think a lot of us, especially if you're a West Coast supporter like my dad is, they've tried to erase that completely (laughs) from memory. But just quickly, I mean, where to next for... The West Coast Eagles, Adam Simpson admits they're going through a a painful transition period at the moment. He's not using the word rebuild at this point, but where to next for this side, and what can they salvage from this season, Pickers? What
4: they need to do is just start building little pieces at a time. I mean, it's got to start with effort. Their effort was miles off on the weekend. Even if it's building effort for a quarter, then a half, then three quarters, in a perfect world, you're doing it four quarters every week. But they're starting. It is ground zero for the West Coast Eagles at the moment. That's as low as I can remember them. The last two home games have been absolutely pummeled by opposition that are good, but they're not Melbourne. You know what I mean? Sydney Swans belted them over there. Had them, I think it was nearly a half without scoring. And then 109 points to the tune of, the, of 109 points by the Tigers. So, now ground zero for them. And they need to start back in the real basics for mine. I Forget all the fancy stuff. Get some players that want to get in there and roll their sleeves up and go to work.
0: Yeah, it's the worst start to their season in club history, 1-6. And, and And Friday night was their heaviest defeat since 08, which was <laughs> Geelong by 135 points at Subiaco Oval. JJ, what are your thoughts on, on the Eagles and where they need to, to go from here? As, as a former player... I mean, it must be so hard to be staring down the barrel of those big losses. And, and we know that they've had their issues with 23 players having COVID. Um, they're missing some key personnel through injury as well. But how difficult is it to, as a player to kind of get yourself up each week when things are going as bad as they are?
3: I think that's the, the key point, and that's the space they're, they're living in at the moment. Like They, they go over to Melbourne and beat uh, the Pies by 13 points, but since then... 63-84-109, 256 points they've been beaten Ooh. by in their past three games, if you don't mind. Two of those games, yeah. as Picker said, have been in Perth. It gets no worse than that. And I think we're seeing some of their uh, premiership players and some of their older players, and perhaps even the coaching staff, think, is this really where we're at? There's probably hasn't yet been an acceptance of this is how bad we are, and this is the path forward. Maybe they haven't yet identified or Maybe Friday night was the, was the, the light globe moment or light bulb moment where they think, we're we're completely um, stuffed here, and we have to really um, start from scratch because we're not going to have Kennedy. We're not going to have Hearn. We're not going to have Nat Newey, We're not going to have McGovern, probably within sort of 24 months. Well, what do they look like then? Because they don't have a lot of draft picks. So they gave some up for Tim Kelly and they haven't been to the draft a lot, they're going to have to turn to the draft ASAP. Well,
4: they've got a good they've got a good setup of, the, of their recruiting staff. I've got no doubt that they'll be able to draft in the right players and potentially trade in the right players. Uh, the Kelly one looks diabolical now in hindsight oh, to give up gosh. what they did for him. Uh, they're a paper team, J.J. I've been saying this for 18 months. They're a paper team. They look good on paper. Oh, they've got all these names here, but they're just names. None of them are playing anywhere near the levels they played at three or four years ago when they won the flag. And that year, I... You know, I actually didn't rate them at all going into 2018. They won the flag. Fantastic coaching performance a great effort by the team. sure the last two years have been ordinary. We've had, we, we keep hearing excuse after excuse for this mob. The excuses are over, from my, my view. Yep. I mean, it's COVID. Oh, we've got a few COVID cases. We've got a few injuries. Everyone's got injuries. West Coast are a very, very big football club. They're the biggest club in the country, if you really want to look at it. Biggest membership, most most wealthy club. I don't, I don't know what's being said in, in Perth. But what needs to be said is, forget the names, throw them, put all the names on a board. Forget how many games they played, what their what their CV Throwing is. Who's yep. having a go here? Because at the moment, there's not too many of them having a go, in my view. And it uh, looks
0: and there's, like and there's a lot.
3: Sorry, Nat, there's a lot. You that, go. Um, there's a lot who are who are at the right towards the end of their career who are being paid seriously big money and, and I said this a couple of weeks ago are all locals so none of them are going to be keen to be to, to move on or be moved on and you know in that American sort of salary dump situation where you get rid of an older player uh, to get some money off the books because they're talking about making a play for Jackson or English well that sounds great and they need one of them but Neither of those two pickers are free agents, so they're going to have to give away no, more draft picks or more players.
0: And you don't want to be yeah. doing that because they are the only AFL club who hasn't had a top 10 draft pick in the past decade, and they didn't field one player under the age of 21 against the Tigers. Yeah. So they well, look, can't afford to do that.
4: They're a proud club. They're a, they're a terrific club, actually. I mean, you very rarely hear anyone want to leave the West Coast. When they're there, they're there. Yep. So you're right. Uh, they, I think they do need to throw... I wouldn't say the kitchen sink, but they need to get another big bike in to help Nick. Nat, you can see how efficient they are without Nat Nui playing. Um, yeah, it starts, at, it starts at, the, at the ground level. It's not bring the mouth guards to training stuff, but it's getting back to the basics at the very least.
0: Well, I don't know how they're going to turn it around, if at all, in the next two Who weeks. Have they, got next week? they face the Lions next week and then oh. Melbourne the following week. Oh. So oh. if we thought that the last oh. Three, four weeks have been bad for the West Coast Eagles. Imagine where they're going to be at in two weeks' time after facing the Lions and Melbourne. They normally
4: play right against the Lions, surprisingly, but um, and the games at the Gabba no doubt. Yep, yep. <laughs>
0: Melbourne's yeah, it's not an a great optus. trip.
4: It's the longest trip in the, in the game. <laughs>
0: yeah.
4: <laughs> West Coast going all the way to Brisbane to get their hand. hands pulled down by the Lions. That's not going to be ideal. But I just I think that West Coast fans. If they, they'd just like to see the, the effort, because they're yeah. not used to seeing West Coast putting in these sort of efforts, which they had in the last couple of weeks.
0: No, they're, they're, they're a proud club. They're as a better club say. than that. They, they are a much better club than that, and hopefully they get some players back in the next couple of weeks as well. Elliot Yeo, though, I think is unlikely to return from those concussion protocols um, for the game against Brisbane. That's what Adam Simpson said after the game. Just quickly, before we wrap up Sunday crunch time, I'll just get your tips for this afternoon, this game and then the other two games. Pickers, you go.
4: I'm going with the Collingwood Football Club to win today by about 15 points. Okay. Uh, Bulldogs will beat Essendon by about 28 points, and I think the Swans will win in a close one. I reckon they'll win by a goal.
0: Okay, Day. Uh,
3: Collingwood by two or three goals. <clears throat> Excuse me, the Dogs by about two goals. I think they're just going, the Dogs, but they'll uh, beat Essendon. And I hope the Lions announce themselves, because these are the types of games I've been wanting to see the Lions play in and win. And uh, I'm hoping they can go up. Because we know how good Sydney are. Um, We're not sure whether the Lions can win these types of games. So looking forward to sitting down and hopefully watching the Brizzy Lions win. And hopefully my man Charles Cameron breaks out the motorbike about four or five times.
4: (laughs) Well, he may may very well. But uh, I don't know if we do know how good Sydney are just yet. I think we'll know after today.
0: I think so. How many goals Jack Jenner kicked today?
4: Three. little play,
3: kick a couple. He'll get a, he'll get a bit of attention today. He'll get, uh, he loves attention. He, he, he eats it up on with it. a spoon, JJ. No, attention. I, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Kane, the uh boxer's dyed the hair
0: blonde. Oh my God, have you seen I that? I saw fingers? that.
4: Gee, I'll tell you what, it's he needs revolving. to wake up. It's too that filth.
3: Oh, seriously, seriously. <laughs> unbelievable stuff. Uh, Justin Lepage gave him a clip too. I think they caught a little uh, grab of Leper and Leper said it looks like he's May have uh, not only has he got blonde hair, he may have actually found a personality. So there was a little drive-by for our man. (laughs) Oh
0: my goodness! Yeah, very good. Well, pies for mine. Probably just the Dogs, and I'm also on the Brisbane bandwagon. I do think that's going to be a really close game. Looking forward to getting home and watching that one on the telly at 4.40 this afternoon, Melbourne time. So much still to come on this Sunday. JJ, it's been great having you on, as always. Enjoy the VFL down in Geelong.
3: Will do. The uh, Cats, the the, the Seagulls are in front now, 33 to 31. So I'll sit here and watch the rest. And been good uh, chatting with you both.
0: Pickers, as always, thank you for joining us. Just for uh, you know, a little I,
4: do, cameo. I do like a I do like a t twenty type, so <laughs> one hour of power. All right, good on your net. S- see it. you, JJ. Thanks
0: well done, everyone guys. for joining us on Sunday. Crunch time. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Plenty of footy action coming your way next.